Hello, world, and welcome to the Ignited Fortitude podcast. This is episode 58. Mm, three weeks in a row. Here we go, making some traction. Uh, again, Steve is not with us. He's in training all week long, but um, we're doing everything we can, make commitment and making sure we're putting one out every week. And so uh, since it's me just solo this week, I'm anticipating this is going to be fast. I'm going to do my best to not ramble on. So um, my wife and I have been going through a book from John and Stacey Aldridge. John Aldridge wrote the book, Wild at Heart. His wife has uh, written a book called Captivating. And um, my wife uh, was had recently read hers. And while she was reading hers, it was uh, it was a great conversation. I had read Wild at Heart probably... Uh, I don't know a handful of times, and uh, just I just appreciate the content that that John talks about it in there, and just uh, what it is about building a man, how a man is is created to be, and um, and then my wife started reading Captivating, and um, it was great. It was great the conversations that her and I were having. Um, in episode fifty six, we talked about how um, we went to that event in Texas, and then uh, coming back from that, I wanted to make sure that us together were going through. Uh, some material and uh we've read other books in the past and and you know start them and then stop them and and since we both like both of these authors um we picked up a, a book it's called love and war and um i haven't read through the whole book so i can't give you my full review on it but uh there was a part that deanna and i were reading and uh we weren't even seven pages in and we had to stop i like started choking up she was reading part of it i was reading a part of it and i was just like stop like <laughs> I think I'm ready for Chinship was on Sunday. And uh, and I was like, just like, I can't finish reading. I couldn't even finish the sentence. She's like, I'll finish. And then she started reading and it and it got to a part where um they were talking about a letter that their their boys had written them at their 25th uh wedding anniversary and Deanna couldn't finish it. So we're like, just stop, stop. And um and it, it's really good. And there's a part that I just wanted to bring out because uh some of the things that they had said in, in this beginning portion just really stood out. And I think um, whether you're in marriage, you could probably relate to this. If you're not married, you're single, maybe you can relate to some of this that you've gone through in just past relationships. And it doesn't even uh, relate necessarily to relationships in general. Uh, it could also be work relationships. It could even be in family relationships, friendships. So uh, I'm going to read a, a little portion of, of some of the book and then break something, some things down. And then uh, I'm going to go to scripture and see what Jesus says about this and just why I just like, I thought it was just so good and, and just wanted to, to share it. So it's at the point where um, John and Stacy are, are been married for just a, a couple of years. They're at the table and just uh, typical sitting at the table, not talking and all this stuff is both on on their minds. And his wife just says, you know what? Maybe we should get a divorce. And um, some context, he, they were in ministry and, and doing a lot of stuff. And and he talks about how he was floored. But um, she says, looking back, this is coming from Stacy's point of view. She says, uh, looking back, I see what a broken young woman I was, a little girl really longing to be loved and nearly certain I would never be. I didn't deserve to be loved. When I was young, I just wanted someone to delight in me, but it never happened. I wasn't seen and I wasn't wanted. I brought that wounded heart into my marriage. Hooray, John, 
you get to be the one to delight in me and love me and fill this broken heart. But even when John did love me, I didn't believe him. There was always a part of me waiting for the other shoe to drop. All my friendships growing up were tales of betrayal and abandonment, including every boyfriend before John. I was just waiting, believing. I was a deep disappointment. And when you talk around like that, you are afraid all the time. I see now how I look to John to fill me. When he didn't come through, I blame myself. I turned to food because I didn't know how to handle the hunger and disappointment in my heart. And then John Eldred, um, he chimes in and he says, let me, John, tell you what was going on for me that Sunday morning when Stacy brought up divorce. Divorce, I was a deer in the headlights. The word caught me completely by surprise. What? Where did this come from? Did she just say divorce? Something in me panicked. Alarm started going off. But had you asked me for my take on the suggestion, maybe we should get a divorce. I think at that time I would have said, I would have said, what is she talking about? I am a great guy. We have a great marriage. This has to be about her. She's asking too much. She's looking to me to be everything. I'm embarrassed to admit that had you pressed me right then and there at the kitchen table, I don't think I could have named one issue on my part that played into Stacy's unhappiness. I was bewildered. Something men seem to have a unique proficiency for. I found myself wondering, how did we get here? When did this happen? But looking back now, I see what was going on. Hindsight is twenty twenty, as the saying goes. I entered in her marriage a frightened boy in a young man's body. A confusing mixture of self-centeredness. Stacy, you lucky girl, you get to marry me. And vast insecurity. I don't know if I can handle this. I had been hurt by wounds I received in my youth and in previous relationships. I had come to believe love never really lasted. So I made a vow years before, forgotten, still unyielding, that I would never need anybody. That vow became a source of lasting sorrow in our marriage. Now, when when Deanna and I were reading that, I just had to stop. And as we were reading, we were talking about some things. And I know from my side of the things, one of the things um, where I, I really took to this, where he was saying that he made this inner vow, that he would never need anybody. And uh, I knew growing up, that's kind of how I had felt. It was always one of those things, you know, you go through things and, and, um, and then you become, you get to a point where it's like, you know what, I, I need to be my own hero. I don't need to rely on anybody or I can't depend on, on other people. And, um, and it resonated with me because in Matthew chapter five, verse 33, this is out of the new living translation. Um, but in Matthew five, uh, 33, Jesus says this, you have also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is a city of the great king. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. And when I was reading this part of, of John and Stacy's book, I was just thinking like, man, that's exactly what Jesus says. Don't make any vows. And, and I just want to challenge you. What are the situations in any relationship that you're going through right now? Whether it's, you know, work, uh, you know, uh, 
employer, employee, any, any, any interaction that you have with others where you are in a sense that there's this, that there's this tension between you and we can't change other people. We can only change ourselves. And, and I know that some of the biggest, the, the biggest things just within my own life is what are the things that I have vowed? And some, some vows might be, you know, like John says, Hey, I'll never need anybody again. I mean, I took this so seriously. I even went to, I even went to culinary school because I didn't ever want to have to depend on anybody. And and there had been times in mine and Deanna's marriage where she's like, it's like you don't need me for anything because I just if something needed to be done, I just do it. I didn't I didn't want to fight about certain things, didn't want to say anything. And there was times where my wife just felt like I didn't need her and she's right because I had always wanted to be in a position where I didn't need to rely upon anybody thinking that that was good, thinking that that was tough, thinking that that was making me independent, self-sufficient, but in a marriage that's, that's, that's bad because then I'm not relying on the very one who's supposed to be my helper. Um, there's other, there's other vows that we take, you know, maybe you grew up in a, in a certain home and it was, you know, men don't cry. So then you're not going to show your emotion and you're going to, you're going to go through things and, and yeah, you might not cry, but your anger, that is an emotion. And when you see a guy who is angry and throwing stuff all the time, yeah, he might not be crying, but sorry, dudes, you're still acting like a baby, right? A child is a child and immature because they don't know how to control their emotions. And if you're a dude that's punching walls and throwing things, I hate to break it to you, but you're not tough. You're actually being childish, you know? For women, it might be, you know, I'm never gonna need to depend on a man for anything. and then that hurts you and your relationship with your husband because you don't want him. You don't need him. You don't go to him and he wants to be comfort for you, you know? So just wanted to bring some of these things up and, and uh, just try to encourage you and, 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 and just help. Like think about those things that you're going through. Maybe even, and you know, I brought up other relationships like work relationships or, or, or home relationships, right? Even with family, you know, are there things within your family that it's like, you know what, I'm never going to let so-and-so say this to me, or I'm never going to let anybody do this to me. And, and, you know, in a sense, you're trying to protect yourself, but at the same token that you're trying to protect yourself, you're being your level of protection. You're the one that's trying to protect yourself, which means you're not allowing the Lord to protect you. You know, back right here over, over my shoulder, I have the, the armor of God shield and uh, all those pieces of armor are God's protection for us. It's the belt of truth. It's, it's the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, right? All those things, the shoes that, that, that bring upon peace, right? The shield of faith. All those things are, are used as different tools for God to protect us. But when we become our own level of protection, so think about it. You go into a situation, it's like, well, you know what? I'm righteous in this situation. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm good. I'm not, you know, just like even John was saying, right, with his wife. If you would have asked me, you would have been her. If you would have asked me what I would have been doing wrong, I couldn't tell you anything. So he was his own level of righteousness. But if we would have asked him at that time, one of the questions would have been like, okay, but, you know, okay, are you washing her feet? Are you recognizing something that you actually do wrong? Are you apologizing for things, right? But we don't want to do those things because then we become vulnerable and our level of protection goes down.
So the protection that God has for us is completely different than our level of protection. It's not our righteousness, it's God's righteousness as we're supposed to be going forth. And so in situations where it's like, well, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. So that's just it. And they're just going to have to deal with it. Maybe you did do something wrong. There was a situation one time where I, I, some stuff happened against me and I, I wasn't the one that was doing some, some stuff that went on. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I knew that there had to be something. I had to take responsibility in some capacity and as a matter of fact, I went to an individual and I had to tell them and I, and I had to apologize. And, I, and again, you could look at the situation. And if I told you, you'd be like, dude, you weren't wrong. Why would you apologize? But I had to take responsibility because if I don't take responsibility for things that happen in my life, then I can't fix things. So I went to an individual and I told them, you know what? I'm sorry. You've obviously made the decisions that you made and and I take responsibility because I probably did something to you to make you feel like you couldn't come to me. You felt like you might have had to go behind my back and, and, and do what you did. And I realized the only thing that I can think is that you felt you had to do that because of me doing something in order to make you feel like you couldn't go to me. So I apologize for that. And I recognize that that, that is an area that I'm wrong in. And I just want to say sorry. Now I took that responsibility and I didn't go to that individual. I didn't have to put them in a place where they were being defensive. Was it hard? 100%. But I wasn't going in my righteousness. And the Bible tells us, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So we have responsibilities. Just because you might be right in a situation doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean that there aren't ways that you can take responsibility for it. So what are those areas that you're thinking that you, you feel like you're never going to cover any ground with an individual because of how they are? Okay, then, but what are you going to do about it? How are you going to change that? How are you going to depend upon God and not depend upon yourself? There's another book right now that I'm currently reading and, and I just like what, what the individual says. He says, um, all behavior is a product of what we choose to think or believe. We can't see what people think. We can only observe what they do. Trying to change behavior without changing what we believe and therefore think will never, pro never produce any lasting results. That goes for all of us. It has to do with the way that we think things. It has to go, has to do with the way that we process things. So maybe you're not wrong in a situation. Maybe some things are, are, you know, not working out the way that you think that they should, but that's also a problem because maybe you took a vow. Maybe you have an unspoken vow, an internal vow that you took. And because of that, without even realizing it, you have caused that pain. And it's not so much what you're doing, but it's the way that you're thinking and it's the way that you're coming off. So what can you do in this situation? Bible's clear. Ask for forgiveness. Ask that individual who you're having a hard time with. Ask them to forgive you. Forgive them before you even have to go into that situation. Forgive them. Ask God to bless them. Go to that individual and ask them to forgive you. 
change the way you think because your behavior is just like you said, a direct reflection of the way that you're thinking and the way that you're processing things. So if your marriage is in a place that's hard and, and difficult, ask yourself, what can I be doing? How can I better the situation? It takes one person to change. Who's going to be the person? If you're expecting it to be the other person, your spouse or in a friendship or whatever it is, you're always going to be waiting on that other individual. If you're having a hard time and you know that something needs to change, then you be the change. You change those things. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Repent of, of that vow. Have you taken a vow? What are those things that you grew up thinking? Cool. Men don't cry or, you know what, I'm never going to need anybody. Or, you know what, everybody's always treated me like this. I'm never going to let anybody treat me like this ever again. No, you got to change that. You can't punish somebody for what somebody else did. Can. Even if the behavior for yourself is thinking that, oh, well, look, this is, this is what's happened in the past, but you have no idea and you're not even giving that other individual a chance. So repent of that. Turn away from that. Tell the person that if, if you're listening to this and you recognize that, tell the other person, you know what? Maybe we're going through all of this because, you know what? Something happened to me, you know, this and this happened to me. And I just had to come to the place where I was not going to allow it to happen again. And going into this situation, when this happened and this happened, I kind of got scared and it put me back in that spot. And, and, I, and I had made that decision long ago that I wasn't going to let it happen. And I'm sorry, because that's not your fault. Approach it with that to that individual. Repent, repent of those things. Rely on God. And be transparent with that individual and just let them know. Or at least let somebody else know to hold you accountable and say, hey, when I'm going to try to handle this situation, but if it's not going the way that, that, I'm, that I'm telling you, hey, let me know. Let me know where I'm reverting back to the way that I used to be. One of the things that, that John Eldridge goes into um, as, as he wraps this little section up. One of the things that I thought was, um, was pretty cool was uh, he says it was a dat. He talks about their marriage and he says it was a disaster waiting to happen. This should have been an announcement in the Sunday paper wedding column. He says, will anyone ever love me was joined in marriage to, I will never need anyone last week. The groom, Mr. Insecure Perfectionist, wedded his bride, Miss, I know I'm a disappointment, at the Congregational Church. The lovely train wreck has taken up residence in uh, Menorvia. A public reception and private disaster are soon to follow. I thought that was, that was pretty funny. He goes on to say one thing that I thought was um, super neat. He talks about the fall. He talks about how Adam and Eve and how they're in the garden and how um, God's supposed to be the one to cover their shame. And what he says is this, he says, now what is so hopeful about their story, and he's, re he's relating it to Adam and Eve, he says, that is, which is our story too, all of us is, uh, I'm sorry, which is our story too, all of us is that God came looking for them. They had made a real mess of things. Those two and now they were holding up a fig leaf with one hand and using the other to point an accusing finger. And God got down, came looking for his children in order to rescue them. 
Adam, where are you? Why? Could you have retraced the steps in every marriage that ever followed? Some sort of Eden-like romance, or at least the promise of Eden and young love, and then a hard fall followed by hiding, blaming, and reproach, and reproach, and the grace of God offering a second chance. So, just wanted to share that with you guys. I thought it was um, super edifying, um, super encouraging, and um, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at in in um, whether it's your marriage or relationship or even a friendship, there's always an opportunity for grace. There's always that opportunity for mercy. Now, if something serious has happened, obviously you need to you need to use wise judgment in in um, in situations. But consider those things first. Consider the protection of those relationships, especially if it's in marriage. And go to the Lord. You need mercy. You need grace just as much as the other person that you're involved with. So that's all I got. Guys, I wanted to make sure that we uh, posted something, thought it was super encouraging and um, uh, just getting this traction going on. Uh, I do have something to share with you guys. We've talked about it the last couple of episodes. We're in the process of building this community out and uh, we're super, super close in building it out. So I do want to say right now, we don't have any kind of like uh, clever um, email newsletter or any of that stuff. We don't, we, don't, we don't have any of those things. But if you are interested in being in community um, and would like more information on it as, as we get closer and would like to be the first to know, go ahead and email us at ignitedfortitude at gmail.com. And uh, in the subject, just put community. Put uh, your name if, it's, if it would be you and your spouse. Um, put that it would be two people. If it's just yourself that would be interested in it, let us know. We're trying to uh, get things underway and, and get some, some things ironed out. We have an episode coming up. Uh, it's either going to be next week or the week following with uh, an author, uh, Philip Hunter. He wrote the book, Promise Principle. I'm gonna try another go at recording the episode with him. Him and I had a conversation when I went to record for whatever reason, uh, it, the the software that I was using didn't wanna record. I'm gonna say it's user error. So um, it looks like I got that handled. And what we're also doing with that is we're ordering um, a case of his books. There's 36 uh, books in a case and and our desire is to, for those of you that are serious about uh, joining our community, um, we're purchasing, uh, Steve and I have always told you guys, this has been all out of pocket. Um, you know, if you guys donate, it's, it's very beneficial and helpful because it, this is all out of pocket, but uh, we're purchasing the books. And for the first 36 people that sign up for our community, we're going to send you uh, a free book, a, filler, a Philip Hunter's book called The Promise Principle. And um, it's going to be instrumental in how we do some of the small group material that we're going to be doing online. The whole purpose is going to be to have a community online so we can have good discipleship, um, being able to have conversations like this, uh, allowing you guys to, to come on, you know, once a week and any questions that you guys might have within the community, any opportunity, you know, during the time that we're going to have like a weekly uh, uh, call over the over the platform and being able to answer any of those questions go into some kind of uh, quick little um, practical applications of scripture in it uh, we're also going to have breakout 
groups where there's going to be small groups. We're going to be going over the promise principle material. We, it, it's just a good Bible study tool. That's it. There's, there's, there's plenty out there. And, uh, some of us have been doing it. We've actually started a, a small group here locally and have seen a lot of fruit come from that. And so our desire is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Maybe you want to start a small group, but you don't know where to start. This would give you a perfect opportunity to part, be a part of a group, get some training, some accountability, have an opportunity where people are gathered in there, where you can facilitate, get guidance, get some feedback on, you know, maybe how, how well you're doing as if you're leading a group. And then, um, and then you'll feel a little bit more confident about going out and, and telling somebody, Hey, I was thinking about doing this Bible study. Do you guys want to get together? Maybe it's your coworkers. So there's a lot of opportunity. I'm not going to divulge everything right now, but that's some of the things that we're really wanting to do with this. So um, we just know that there's a great need. And if it's something that you would want to be a part of, again, guys, go ahead. You can uh, email us at ignitedfortitude at gmail.com. In the subject, just put community and uh, just put your name and, uh, and and if it's anybody else that would be interested in, and uh, we'll give you guys more information as soon as we had that opportunity. So that being said, since somebody else is here, I'm going to go ahead and pray and close this out. Father, I thank you for, Lord, just this time, this opportunity, and God, just your faithfulness. I know that this was uh, something that you you stirred uh, for, for me to put together. And I'm grateful for Steve coming alongside and, and help getting this going. I'm grateful for the community that has, has uh, Lord, just um, call, communicated with us over the time and just told us how beneficial these conversations are and how encouraging they are to them. And uh, Lord, we want to be able to give back. We want to be able to, to gather those people that have been faithful and, and bring them in a place where uh, there's more interaction. It's not just them listening to us, Lord, but we have an opportunity to listen to them an opportunity to help give guidance and an opportunity more than anything else, Lord, to just grow together in a community that's centered around you. And so, Father, our prayer is always, Lord, if you're going to continue to open the door for us to walk through it, help us to just have the strength to be um, uh, faithful, strong, and uh, Lord, just persevere and continue to, to, to do what it is that you have called us to do. Lord, and if your desire is that this this would stop, then God, I pray that you would shut the door. And until that does happen, Lord, we will continue to just be faithful, to to be there, to encourage, uh, Lord, those that are going to be listening. God, we lift up uh, the rest of this week to you. I love you so much, God. But more than importantly, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us as much as you do. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.